My goal every Christmas Eve is more of a devotion than a sermon. It's brief yet meaningful. I know your kids are here and I understand that. And I just, I just have to interject something. I, I will tell you that as much or more than any sermon I've ever preached in my life, I believe God guided me and directed me into what I was supposed to share this moment. In early fall, I was out of town at an event um, with my family and Haley and I, and I had the weirdest experience. I was sitting in the back of an auditorium watching a stage performance when all of a sudden my mind just randomly started thinking about our Christmas Eve services. And it was like in a matter of seconds, the entire service played out in front of my mind and it was, it was like just start from start to finish. In just a few seconds, I saw the whole thing play out. And then when it was over, it was almost like the Lord said, this is what I want you to do for Christmas Eve. When the stage performance ended that we were attending and Haley and I got back to our hotel room, I sat down and I, I wrote it all down. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't profound. It was actually really simple. I had the details of what scripture I was supposed to read and the parts of that passage I was supposed to emphasize all the way to the way I was supposed to pray at the end it was really clear. So what I'm about to say today and what I'm about to do is in direct obedience to what I believe to be clear direction from God for us for this moment. What I've learned in my life and what we see very clear in the Christmas story is that obedience to God aligns us with his heart and places us in the pathway of his blessing. Our obedience to him opens the door for supernatural possibilities. Obedience sets miracles in motion. That's the way it happens in Luke 1. Mary is a young teenage peasant girl minding her own business, living her normal life when an angel suddenly appears to her. And it is obviously so unusual and unexpected. The Bible notices that, says that Mary is troubled. She was literally afraid and the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. And then he gives her this incredible news that she has found favor in the eyes of God and that she is going to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. And you can see by her response that Mary is confused by the impossible and irrational claims of the angel. She says in Luke 1, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Two statements from this part of the Christmas story that I believe God wants branded on our heart today. The first is the statement the angel makes to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's what we're all here to celebrate today, right? We're here to celebrate who God, a God who did the impossible at Christmas, the divine became flesh. The incarnation marks the moment that this majestic and transcendent God allowed himself to be contained within a baby's body. It would be the equivalent of trying to pour the ocean into a thimble. 
It is impossible. And yet, on that starry night in Bethlehem, that's exactly what happened. God did the impossible. If there's any day of the year that should remind every one of us that nothing is impossible with God, it ought to be today. But I think there's this massive disconnect between the faith that brings us here today in a big way to celebrate the birth of our Savior and then compare that to the faith that we live out in our everyday life. We don't have any problem intellectually or theologically showing up at church on Christmas Eve to celebrate the moment a teenage girl says she's pregnant with the Son of God and, oh yeah, she's a virgin and God is the Father. For some reason, we're okay with that, but we can't seem to express the same level of faith and belief when it comes to trusting God in our normal everyday life. Do you understand how irrational us being here today is? How irrational the Christmas story is? The amount of faith it takes to believe all of this, and yet hundreds of millions of people will gather all over the globe today and declare that they actually believe this story is real. The fact that you're here today says that you have at least some nod to belief or some hint of faith in you or you're just really nice because somebody you love and care about is into this and believes this and to be nice to them, you came along with them. And so thank you for being nice today and putting up with us. But for the rest of us, if there's even a hint of belief in your heart that this really happened today, how is it that we could believe God for all of this and yet we find it so hard to believe God can meet us on a personal level and show up in the impossible of our own lives. Christmas should be more than a reminder of the ancient doctrine of the incarnation. If we have faith to believe that Mary gave birth to Jesus and that Jesus is the Son of God, we need to find some way to exercise that same faith and to trust God to show up in our life and in our situations. And I think that's the part of the Christmas story that we miss every year. Yes, Christmas is about hope and peace and love and joy and goodwill toward all men. But don't forget, Christmas is a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. That's the first thing God wants impressed on our hearts today. But the second is Mary's response to the angel. She said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you understand the ramifications of that statement? This is a statement of total surrender, complete trust. It's irrational obedience to God. It's faith. Mary is saying, I'm afraid. I don't understand. I I can't get my head around how any of this could be possible, but I trust him and I'll take God at his word. So let it be unto me according to your word. I told you a moment ago, our obedience to God opens the door for supernatural possibilities. Obedience sets miracles in motion. Think about it. Do you realize the whole miracle of Christmas, all of us being gathered in this room on this Christmas Eve, the whole miracle of the incarnation, all of this was set in motion by the obedience of a teenage girl who said, let it be to me according to your word. And that's what I'm saying to him tonight. A few months ago, in one of the most unusual moments of my life, 
when God showed me what he wanted to do in this service, it was clear that we were supposed to stop right here and provide a brief sacred space and invite God into our lives and situations to work miraculously, to do the impossible for all of us, because nothing is impossible with God. For weeks, I have wrestled with the, God, with the Lord about this. It's like, Lord, is it really healthy to put this kind of expectations on a Christmas Eve service? It's one of the most powerful and intimate services of the year. Can't we just sing our Christmas songs and light our candles and enjoy each other's company? But if the Christmas story shows us anything, everybody turned Mary and Joseph away. So Jesus had to end up being born in the only place there was room and that was a dirty stable, which says to us, God really doesn't care how messy and unkept your life is. He will come where there is room. So I'm going to obey him today, and I'm going to make room. We're going to pray together that God would do the impossible in my life, your life, our lives. And this is my way of saying to him, yes, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be according to thy word. Our church family knows, I, I, I want to transition away from a podium here to preach from and a stool that I want to sit on because our church family knows that when I move from this to teach and to a stool to talk, I, I'm just, I want to share my heart and I want to be here when I pray today. I, I need to confess something to you before I pray I don't know why God answers some prayers and then others he doesn't. I, I, I honestly struggle with that. I, I've seen with my own eyes God do miraculous things from physical miracles and family and relationship miracles and delivering people from addictions. I've seen those things with my own eyes. And yet I prayed thousands of prayers that were not answered, at least the way I wanted them to. It, it, it reminds me of something my grandfather used to say to me when I would voice these struggles to him. He would say, Brian, God answers every prayer we pray. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. But he answers every prayer we pray. My grandfather was a very uneducated man, but what he said aligns very closely with, with a highly educated man, pastor and author Tim Keller said. Keller said this, God will either give us what we ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. I don't know what God knows, but I know this. Scripture tells me to cast all my cares upon him. It tells me that I should seek and keep seeking to ask and keep asking, to knock and keep knocking, to keep believing for God to do the impossible and just leave the outcome to him. My job is to keep seeking, asking, and knocking, and leave the rest of his sovereign grace and his sovereign wisdom. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to stop and ask God for a Christmas miracle in our lives, in our families, in any situation you brought with you in today. Don't, 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 don't um, insult God with small prayers. We're going to ask God for a Christmas miracle in our lives today, and we're going to leave the outcome to him, but he tells us to ask. I want us to join Mary today in an act of obedience and saying, let it be to me, let it be to us today, Lord, according to your word. And let me just tell you this, the greatest miracle that ever happens in the world is when somebody surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. Every time I come to a moment like this, I think about Tom. Tom is a part of our church. A little over 10 years ago, Tom moved to Texas from New York 
stumbled into one of our Christmas Eve services in our old building in a quiet moment in one of the services just like this. Tom totally surrendered his heart to Jesus and the last many, many years of his life have been radically different. And I can't help but believe that's going to happen for somebody in this service and the many more that will happen today at North Place Church. It's the greatest miracle of all. So I want us to pray together. Let's just still our hearts. Let's make room and simply ask. And I'm going to ask that in your heart, you will bring your family, your need, your situation before him. And I want to pray over all of us today. Okay. So Lord, I'm here in this moment doing what you asked me to do in October. I realize it really sets me up to look like a fool today. But I've also learned that sometimes faith is the willingness to look foolish. I don't know what you have in mind. And I don't know how you're going to do it, who you're going to do it for, or where it's going to happen, what it's going to look like. But I believe on this Christmas service you wanted a unique opportunity to be seen and felt and experienced as the God of the impossible. This is your moment, Lord. We're here as an act of faith. Lord, as I saw this play out in my head, I saw marriages for one more Christmas. They're going to stay together for the kids. But after this, they don't plan on making it. But because of today, I just saw a husband or a wife lean over and put their hand on the other spouse's hand. It's been cold and bitter, but that act is going to break the wall. And a miracle is going to be set in motion today. A marriage that would have ended isn't. Lord, my heart is burdened for the anxious, the depressed, the discouraged, the stressed, even suicidal heart, the broken heart. That person, God, that is wondering if they have any worth or value of still being here, but a a simple miracle is going to happen in their heart today. You're going to breathe life into them, and there's going to be a new sense of purpose and worth and value, and what has been calculated or planned, that plan is foiled because God has a purpose and a hope and a future for them, and you're going to reveal it to them today. That's a miracle for every addict that needs to be set free today. I know that delivering power. I've experienced that as a former addict. And God, would you let the chains, shackles be released from people's lives today? Nothing is impossible with God. Lord, I know because people knew in our family that we were going to have this moment that there are people gathered around screens today in their living rooms or hospital rooms. There are people in this room today fighting cancer. There are babies and kids in this room today that are going in and out of children's hospital because of terminal illnesses. God, I pray you will reverse the curse that every cancerous cell, that every disease cell, every sickness represented in our hearts today, that there would be a, a change, Lord, that a miraculous reversal of events that you would amaze what others have said would be the case or the outcome or the diagnosis. Lord, I know it happens, I've seen it, just not enough. And I don't know how and why or when I ought to ask or when I ought to be patient, but 
I know, Lord, you told us to keep seeking and keep knocking and keep asking today. So that's what I'm doing, Lord. I'm, I'm asking that you would show yourself as real in people's lives today as you did in a manger 2,000 years ago. And for that person that's in this room today that doesn't know you, maybe they came in as a doubt or a skeptic or a prodigal running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. Would you let something supernatural happen in their mind, in their emotion, in their spirit, and they stop running today and surrender their lives to you and may today be the first day of the rest of your life, of their lives today. Father, I, I could never name every miracle. You know what they are. You see them before we ask. And I pray in an unprecedented way on this Christmas Eve, you would unleash your power and your authority and you would make yourself flesh in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for letting me be obedient to what I felt like the Lord asked me to do today. Can I ask you to do me a favor? I need to know I'm not crazy. There on your card, um, on the back of it, I wrote a little letter about what was in my heart today. And at the bottom of that is a QR code. Some miracles are immediate. Some of them are Progressive, And I think when I say that, some of you need things tonight and you're going to go on three weeks from now, you're going to go, oh shoot, what I prayed for at Christmas Eve, God did. But it's going to be in such a subtle way, you're not going to know it till after it's happened. So whether God does something sudden in your life or he does it progressively in the few weeks and days ahead, save that card we gave you and scan it. Uh, let us know that. Let us know that. I'm going to be anxiously awaiting those communications because I want to give God the glory for those things. This is what Christmas is all about, a God who does the impossible, who came to change our lives. And I believe that's what he's doing right now in all of us. Over the month of December, we've been lighting these candles as a part of our Advent celebrations and for those of you that are not a part of a tradition where there's an Advent wreath, they are colored like this on purpose. We lit the first candle of on the first Sunday of Advent. It was hope, a God who breaks in like we're expecting him to do today. That's the Advent hope we have. And the second week we lit another purple candle, which is Advent peace. That is the Prince of Peace has come. Peace is on earth in our hearts. The last Sunday of Advent, we lit the love candle because there was nothing that demonstrates God's love for us than leaving the splendor of heaven to come live our life and walk with us and be one of us. You notice it's purple, purple, purple. When you get to Isaiah 9, Isaiah says, a darkness, it's been dark for a long time. The people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Generations of expectation. It was dark, it was dark, it was dark, but... He said in Isaiah 9, a new light has dawned, referring to the coming of Jesus Christ. And the joy candle is the peak candle because it goes from darkness to dawn when you start talking about the Savior coming. And tonight, we go from hope and peace and love and the joy that breaks into our world today to lighting the Christ candle. And it's out of this candle, the light of the world, that every candle in this room that will be lit as we sing high, high, Silent Night, 
Jesus truly is the light of the world. And the darkness in this room in a moment is going to be dispelled from the Christ candle as we spread his love. May what we're about to do be the way we live our lives. Pastor Shane, I'm going to ask if you would help me and our staff, family, and team that's going to help us spread the light and the love of Christ throughout this room. If you would come, and I'm going to ask all of you if you would stand across this room as we prepare our hearts for this candle lighting moment. savor this moment.
May the love of Jesus that has lit this room, symbolized by these candles, dispel the darkness that comes against you, your family, in this world, and may that light light a flame in your heart, and may it be contagious as you gather with your family around a table or a tree. May the love of God change the environments that you walk into in the coming days. Father, I ask for a miracle in all of our lives today. May the miracle of Christmas be real to us. May you change us because we are part of this moment together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you blow them out together?